This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the one year Bible reading for May 3rd, and we begin today with Judges and chapter 17. So we're moving into the very last section of Judges um, for our next three readings. And this part of the book is called in my commentary, The Depravity of Israel in Sinning Like the Canaanites. So rather than focusing on the lives of the specific judges, we're looking at the depravity of the nation as they fall away. And our reading today is focused on the sin of idolatry. There was a man named Micah who lived in the hill country of Ephraim. One day he said to his mother, I heard you place a curse on the person who stole 1,100 pieces of silver from you. Well, I have the money. I was the one who took it. The Lord bless you for admitting it, his mother replied, and he returned the money to her. And she said, I now dedicate these silver coins to the Lord. In honor of my son, I will have an image carved and an idol cast. So when he returned the money to his mother, she took 200 silver coins and gave them to a silversmith who made them into an image and an idol. And these were placed in Micah's house. Micah set up a shrine for the idol, and he made a sacred ephod and some household idols. Then he installed one of his sons as his personal priest. In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. One day a young Levite, who had been living in Bethlehem in Judah, arrived in that area. He had left Bethlehem in search of another place to live, and as he traveled, he came to the hill country of Ephraim. He happened to stop at Micah's house as he was traveling through. "'Where are you from?' Micah asked him. He replied, "'I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am looking for a place to live.' "'Stay here with me,' Micah said, "'and you can be a father and priest to me. I will give you ten pieces of silver a year, plus a change of clothes and your food.' The Levite agreed to this, and the young man became like one of Micah's sons. So Micah installed the Levite as his personal priest, and he lived in Micah's house. I know the Lord will bless me now, Micah said, because I have a Levite serving as my priest. Now in those days Israel had no king, and the tribe of Dan was trying to find a place where they could settle, for they had not yet moved into the land assigned to them when the land was divided among the tribes of Israel. So the men of Dan chose from one of their clans five capable warriors from the towns of Zorah and Eshtaol to scout out a land for them to settle in. When these warriors arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, they came to Micah's house and spent the night there. While at Micah's house, they recognized the young Levite's accent. So they went over to him and asked him, Who brought you here, and what are you doing in this place? Why are you here? He told them about his agreement with Micah and that he had been hired as Micah's personal priest. Then they said, Ask God whether or not our journey will be successful. Go in peace, the priest replied, for the Lord is watching over your journey. So the five men went on to the town of Laish, where they noticed the people living carefree lives like the Sidonians. They were peaceful and serene, uh, secure, rather. The people were also wealthy because their land was very fertile, and they had lived a 
great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. When the men returned to Zora and Eshtaol, their relatives asked them, What did you find? The men replied, Come on, let's attack them. We have seen the land, and it is very good. What are you waiting for? Don't hesitate to go and take possession of it. When you get there, you will find the people living carefree lives. God has given us a spacious and fertile land, lacking in nothing. So six hundred men from the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, set out from Zora and Eshtaol. They camped at a place west of Kiriath-Jerim in Judah, which is called Mahanadan, to this day. Then they went on from there into the hill country of Ephraim and went to the house of Micah. The five men who had scattered out the land around Laish explained to the others, these buildings contain a sacred ephod as well as some household idols, a carved image, and a cast idol. What do you think you should do? Then the five men turned off the road and went over to Micah's house, where the young Levite lived, and greeted him kindly. As the six hundred armed warriors from the tribe of Dan stood at the entrance of the gate, the five scouts entered the shrine and removed the carved image, the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the cast idol. Meanwhile, the priest was standing at the gate with the six hundred armed warriors. When the priest saw the men carrying all the sacred objects out of Micah's shrine, he said, What are you doing? Be quiet and come with us, they said. Be a father and priest to all of us. Isn't it better to be a priest for an entire tribe and clan of Israel than for the household of just one man? The young priest was quite happy to go with them, so he took along the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the carved image. They turned and started on their way again, placing their children, livestock, and possessions in front of them. When the people from the tribe of Dan were quite a distance from Micah's house, the people who lived near Micah came chasing after them. They were shouting as they caught up with them. The men of Dan turned around and said to Micah, What's the matter? Why have you called these men together and chased after us like this? What do you mean, what's the matter? Micah replied. You've taken away all the gods I have made and my priest, and I have nothing left. The men of Dan said, Watch what you say. There are some short-tempered men around here who might get angry and kill you and your family. So the men of Dan continued on their way. When Micah saw that there were too many of them for him to attack, he turned around and went home. Then with Micah's idols and his priest, the men of Dan came to the town of Laish, whose people were peaceful and secure. They attacked with swords and burned the town to the ground. There was no one to rescue the people, for they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. This happened near the valley, in the valley near Beth Rehob. Then the people of the tribe of Dan rebuilt the town and lived there. They renamed the town Dan after their original ancestor, Israel's son, but it had originally been called Laish. Then they set up the carved image and they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, as their priest. This family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until the exile. So Micah's carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained at Shiloh. John chapter 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After one dark evening, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
"'What do you mean?' exclaimed Nicodemus. "'How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again?' Jesus replied, "'I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what, you, what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Psalm 104 Let all that I am praise the Lord. O Lord my God, how great you are! You are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. You lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride upon the winds, the wings of the wind. The winds are your messengers. The flames of fire are your servants. You place the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. You clothe the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary for the seas so that they would never again cover the earth. You make springs pour water into the ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for. 
the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests, and the storks make their homes in the cypresses. High in the mountains live the wild goats, and the rocks form a refuge for the hyraxes. You made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to set. You send the darkness, and it becomes night, when all the forest animals prowl about. Then the young lions roar for their prey, stalking the food provided by God. At dawn they slink back into their dens to rest. Then people go off to their work, where they labor until evening. Proverbs 14, 20 and 21. The poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. It is a sin to belittle one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. And to end, we are with Selwyn Hughes, and he wants to know why so many slip and fall, or perhaps he's going to tell us. And it comes from Luke eleven four, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You will remember I drew your attention to the Christian woman who asked God to deliver her from an unforgiving spirit. Yet deep down in her heart, she held on to it because of the way in which it served her unconscious purposes. I want to suggest that you read the next sentence carefully, for in it lies the secret of the failure of so many Christians to walk with hind's feet to the high places which God has prepared for them. If you harbor resentment or hatred toward just one individual in the world, by that much you are separated from God himself. By just that much do your rear feet fail to track with your front feet, and in the pursuit of God you are in danger of slipping over the edge to spiritual failure. Let me put it even more clearly. If anyone has sinned against you and you have not forgiven them from the depths of your heart, then the attitude of unwillingness is a sin against God. Listen to what the Apostle John says about this. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. 1 John 4.20 the first thing we must do if we are to climb higher with God is to make sure there is no bitterness or resentment lingering in our hearts. If you have not done so before, turn now in thought to all those who have trespassed against you and forgive them fully and completely. God, once again, we plead for the insight and courage to see ourselves truly, for we may be cloaking our resentments with garments of piety. We would harbor no dangerous Trojan horses within us. Help us to be free of all resentment. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, I have to recommend on that note a book that I have recently been reading that is really wonderful on this account, and it's called The Secret of Lasting, or The Secrets of Lasting Forgiveness, um, written by the same author who wrote The Prayer of Jabez, really excellent in that it takes you practically based on scripture step by step in the things that we need to do to forgive all the wounds of our past and what freedom comes from identifying those wounds and lifting them to the Lord for healing and then forgiving that person. So 
if you take no other recommendation from me ever, I recommend that you look into that book. Love you all. Have a wonderful day.